Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. What the hell was that? I don't know. I was trying for it. I tried German. I haven't done German before. You always give me shit about the Irish accent. Yeah, well, so they're, they're, they're both equally horrible. Okay. So let All us right. introduce our guest. Weekend boxes and lanes. Everybody, we have a guest in person here today. It might be our last guest in person. <laughs> I think she's exiting now as we. So we have Dana Petito here, and she's managing director at Brookfield's Real Estate Group and currently serving as the chief financial officer for Brookfield REIT. And most of you listeners will know what a REIT is, <laughs> but we will explain. And Ronan doesn't know. He's just covering. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, know. yeah. This is what we do. Uh, yeah. We ferret out the answer. <laughs> but we do have a lot of listeners from the industry, and then we have listeners from outside the industry. So when you're answering some of the questions, you don't need to go too wonky. Fair? John hasn't a fucking clue. What <laughs> okay. I do know. Look, we haven't even gotten into it. For God's sake, let's look. Let's you, you get on a German accent. Do your shit Irish accent. It's way I already better. did. I did. Okay. Do you want me to ask the first question? <laughs> Dana, you're the managing director of Brookfield's <laughs> Real Estate Group. Currently serving as chief financial officer, which I just said, for Brookfield Reed. Can you tell us about your career path and how you ended up in the specific space in the industry? Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having <laughs> thank me. Thank you for coming and for staying. That's <laughs> minute number one. I'm still here. Um, and this is my first podcast, and I'm just so excited to be here today. Uh, so how how did I get to where I am at Brookfield? I started my career in the big four, um, but spent a few So you're years trained there. as an accountant. Trained accountant. Um, today, I don't like to refer my, to myself as an accountant. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that, John. She told us before the podcast not to bring up the accountant. But I often get my mom calling me asking, you know, about tax season. Oh, <laughs> I've ne- yeah, never yeah. actually done my own taxes. Yeah. So We get asked stock advice yeah, and exactly. I've never traded a yeah. day in my life. Nobody knows what I yeah. do. But um, so I started in the big four, uh, really just to kind of get get my feet wet in in that industry. And I knew I always wanted to go into a corporate finance role. I had a really small stint in the pharmaceutical industry, which was basically like working doctor's hours because we had to go through a five-year financial restatement, which is the worst thing you can imagine if you are an accountant. And so I was pretty desperate to get out of there. It was 2004, and I was heavily job searching. And I came across a very interesting role at Brookfield uh, in their real estate practice on a little website called Craigslist. Which you found your job on Craigslist? Yeah, I found I found a couch and a job. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's wow. I think that's I sold amazing. you the couch. I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this a real? is this real? Can you, uh-huh. you know, so I, I took the interview. I was pretty interested in real estate, took the train down from Midtown down. We were at One Liberty at the time, a building that we own, had a, an interview with the CFO. Uh, they needed somebody that could implement Sarbanes-Oxley, a really exciting topic oh, about God. internal control. Oh, wow. Yes, um, that, and, is, that is exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. And someone that could help them write their their financial statements and their MD&A and, and oh, tell wow. a story. They wanted to bring more story to to the real estate um, disclosure. And so it sounded interesting and, and way better than my current situation. 
took the train back uptown, got to my desk, had a voicemail that said, uh, we'd like to offer you the job. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, you couldn't have this, told me that 30 minutes ago? Is this uh-huh. a normal way to get a job? <laughs> but I, I took a leap and best decision I've ever made. Well, you obviously have advanced a lot since that time. Um, and no now more Sarbanes-Oxley. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. From those humble beginnings. So folks who work down in downtown Manhattan, like uh, we do, um, well, uh, the, the name Brookfield is, um, if they don't otherwise know about the company, they certainly know about um, the building that is um, over across the uh, West Side Highway right. uh, over there, which is- You've uh, got a nice view of it. Yeah. Uh, we, I used to work place. there when it was called World Financial Center. Yeah, that's uh-huh. right. And now it's yes. Brookfield Place. That's I do. Right. And it's gotten very that. upscale yeah, now. Go over there very for upscale. tacos yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 Gucci bag like and tacos. 50 bucks yeah. for yeah. like your lunch. But anyway- Yeah, I can't yeah. afford to pay for any more expensive lunch than that because- Jake, we'll have our sound engineer edit the whining of the salary. It finds its way into every podcast- and I might as well tell you now before he does that he used to be former head of trading and markets yeah, at the SEC. I, 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 yeah. Do you have a badge? Among, among various he he wants things, a badge no. and a rain jacket. And one says time, I, well, at one time I had a windbreaker with like big like letters, like the SWAT team, you know, yeah. in the back, which I really loved. Did you ever see the movie Boiler Room? <laughs> oh, with Ben Affleck. Absolutely. And the, when the SEC come in and arrest people, that is that a dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's true. They did it's not a, let me carry not a, bad an, a weapon while I'm an arm while I was there. Anyway, um, back to the guest. Yes. You are now Chief Financial Officer for <laughs> yes. Brookfield. Yes. What What is Brookfield REIT? So Brookfield REIT yeah. is a non-traded REIT, uh, which is oh, okay. an, it's an income product. So it's just one of the many products that we offer different strategies that we have in the real estate space. So we we've got it all. We've got funds. We had a listed vehicle that I spent most of my career working on. It had gone through various restructurings and repositionings and takeovers. But I spent most of my career at Brookfield. When I started in the real estate group, this is an interesting anecdote and also will date me, but we had $16 billion of assets under management. So basically all the real estate investments we had amounted to $16 billion. Today, that number is $260 billion. Wow, geez. So I've lived through all of that growth while I was there. And uh, it's just been, I, I always refer to it as fast and furious growth, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, tempered is how, you know, some of my other colleagues... <laughs> tempered and, you know, sophisticated and and thoughtful, but really just incredible growth into new sectors, new products, new strategies, new geographies. And it really gave me the opportunity to expand my horizon out of the finance and accounting world yeah. and, and work on a lot more different things. And so people understand Brookfield writ large is a global asset management company that's involved in all kinds of different um, asset groups. Yes. So your the real estate portfolio is just one of them, but even it's that me. part as you just said, has like grown massively yeah, during growth. the time that you've been there. Right. Um, so what uh, I'd be interested to know what your personal experience is like in just dealing with that kind of growth, managing it in terms of like the number of people that you have to supervise, right. um, the people that you have to, I mean, the larger organization grows, the more often bureaucratic it tends to grow, the harder it is to kind of like spend more time just Sometimes it feels like on, uh, you know, meetings that you'd rather not have to, you know, you have sometimes meetings where they say. You're venting about this place. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, I wasn't not, not explicitly. It always no. brings it back No, to I'm end. not. No, I love this place, as you know. So anyway, uh, you have any thoughts about that? I, totally. So we would get ahead of our skis a little bit in the beginning. And when I started, we were a class A North American office 
owner and operator. And, you know, very quickly we expanded into different sectors and geographies and it all kind of started coming. And then we started launching into our fund business. So how do you do it? Do you just add numbers to your team? No, (laughs) you actually have to be a bit more thoughtful about it. And so it really taught me how to strategically envision growth in a functional way. Mm -hmm. So what functions do we need and how do we layer our teams and how do we align vertically to make sure that, you know, we're working in such an efficient way that we can achieve everything we want to achieve. Most of the assets that we buy, we operate ourselves and we own them depending on the capital pool or the fund that they're in for a period of time. And so making sure we had a process to manage overseeing those assets and and hitting the returns that we're trying to target over the course of their life. And and I would imagine that um, uh, spans the gamut of uh, commercial office buildings as well as hotels and resort properties. And- All of it. Name something yeah. with four walls and we uh-huh. probably have it in our portfolio somewhere. Prisons. Not yet. Not yet. You know, cemeteries. She didn't say no. So cemeteries is uh, is on my list. I feel like like that's an untapped. uh, (laughs) That's an untapped market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we all die. (laughs) Uh, She's in the room with us, John. I got spooked there. (laughs) So Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, longevity in the job because, like, job hopping is. why, why are you looking at me that way, John? Yeah. You're not, I'm not getting ready in the I'm next not, six yeah, months. Go ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You, you've been at Brookfield for 18 years, and, and today people tend to job hop quite a bit. So when you reflect back on, I, I don't need you to go 18 years at a time. <laughs> but uh, what kept you invested in Brookfield, and how have your experiences there impacted how you think about career development for your team? Yeah, 18 years is a long time. Yep. It really has been the opportunity to work for a company that – were such smart investors, very entrepreneurial when I started and had a vision of growing in in all different ways. It's almost like tentacles, like we can do this and we can do that and we can be here and we can be there and this is how we're going to do it and grow to scale. By the sheer growth of what we were doing, it gave me the opportunity to not be in this narrowed finance role that was every, you know, a tunnel of every quarter I'm doing the same thing. I really got to be able to expand uh, my learning capabilities uh, as we were building other functions in the organization, portfolio management, how our deal teams were working, um, integration and onboarding. We have bought everything from individual assets to portfolios to total M&A deals. So when you take private, what does that mean? How do you bring that organization and their capabilities into the Brookfield fold. But these are all things I had to work on. Um, I'll bore you with something called IFRS, which is International Financial I know what <laughs> Reporting I, I Standards. Is. You Thank would be well versed. It might be the yeah. only acronym he hasn't worked at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were one of the <laughs> first uh, real estate organizations to to switch to IFRS, which is fair yeah. value reporting, which is, yeah. if you think about an asset – it should sit on your balance sheet for you know sure. its fair value as opposed to a depreciated value. And by doing that, it was a big effort. And I lived through that conversion and just kind of getting our investor base up to speed with what that meant, how we valued our properties internally, how we benched that against valuers in the industry and what that all meant. So we were a little bit of outliers in that regard. So you did that before you were required to do it? We for did. Other- 
That's yeah. right. Because uh-huh. most of the, if you think about the REITs in the U.S., most of them are still on a U.S. gap basis. Interesting. Yeah. So that means that, so the effect of doing that means that maybe you're held to a somewhat higher level of discipline in terms of um, reporting the value that you hold based on current market values, not based on what you bought it for. That's right. And then you get a lot of scrutiny. How mm-hmm. do you, you know, we we would have a good view of what we were worth. And mm-hmm. then we would see where we were trading. Right. And so we'd right. try to make the point of you invest in us today, you're getting all of this for free. Now, proving that to investors was always the challenge. And so it's really interesting working with our IR team and senior management on trying to tell the right story at the right time. Yeah. Well, one other thing just about the growth that I was thinking about, it's one it's one thing, just manage growth. It's another thing, and we know something about this too, try to grow a company during COVID and kind of post-COVID and kind of like how you incorporate people in when you know a lot of people are not coming into the office on a, on a regular basis. And yeah. So COVID was really interesting. We are one of the largest landlords uh, in, in many cities around the globe. See how he pivoted that way? Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ronan. <laughs> um, we Look, my personal view is collaboration is so important. And our our space looks a little bit, I got to walk your offices before we came in this uh recording room. And open concept is just what a way to get to know people, to collaborate, just to kind of have day-to-day dialogue that you can use and and just pick up a soundbite and realize, oh, actually, that's very tangent to what I'm working on. So being back in the office, for me personally, I live in Brooklyn, uh, working from home, could have caused a lot of pain and suffering to <laughs> myself, my family, all sure. of my loved ones. Um, so for me, I, I need to be in the office. Um, I think sentiment has obviously changed. All of us that commute into New York notice on Wednesdays, the lines are a lot longer for lunch oh, and, yeah, for sure. and traffic is picking up. And so, Those taco lines over at Brookfield. <laughs> they like really are. Really yeah, we're going to ask you for yeah. an in yeah. at the end of this yeah. podcast. I, I know some I know some The people. fast track. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even with a lot of companies having some semblance of a flexible schedule, I still think that in order to be mentored, in order to grow, in order to assimilate to a company's culture, it's it's just so important to be in person. And Amen. there's a there's an added benefit to it. Um, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself if you, you know, there's reasons to be to have flexibility. Like yeah. I'm a working parent, Ronan. You're also a working parent. Like yep. there there are reasons that you want to have flexibility, but I don't think that's the same as saying like I will be home three days a week and childcare is another issue in this country altogether. But mm-hmm. if you can make it work, I think there's benefits. Um, I wonder often, you know, with the younger generation and their kind of requests um, and, and what they're looking for, how they even develop the right business acumen. So there's so many things that make me wonder if there's going to be a gap in talent yep. that we're all going to see because of this kind of demand to to be yeah. home a lot. It has to make a, a big difference. I think certainly from my standpoint, I feel like the quality of the relationships that I've formed with people who are in the office uh, on a regular basis are certainly different yeah. um, and tend to be richer. And I, I mean, put running aside the fact that I could, you know, that, that's a different matter. He's like but my I, brother. Yeah, you just get so <laughs> frustrated with me. <laughs> 
But you're you saying know, that because you love me. Right? I, I do. I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's I think fun. it has, it, it has it, to translate yeah. into at some level into productivity and how you do your job. Right. And look, I have, I have fun with my team. I have fun with, you know, my colleagues and my friends in the office. Like those moments of it's not water cooler talk, whatever it is, but succession just came back. There's things to talk about. You want to yeah, be able to have that interaction. And yeah. look, I like to, I love, to get dressed every morning. I'm putting on a fashion show as much as I possibly can. And so, <laughs> so one thing I actually was just reading an article today, I think it was recently, um, either the journal or the times about, um, sort of changes in commercial real estate in Manhattan in particular. And so what they were, what they were saying, the premise of the article was that class A commercial, uh, real estate in particular, which you know a lot about has like started to, uh, change in terms of to this point, it has kind of, uh, during and post COVID maintained a significant premium, um, with regard to other kinds of properties. And it suggested that was changing a bit. You know, Do you have any perspective on that? I don't, I don't think we've seen that so much. I still think that the highest quality, if we're talking about office space, yeah. is going to be in high demand. And, and you, I mean, you all work in a beautiful, newly furbished and finished <laughs> building and, that makes such a difference. Um, people want to come into work and enjoy and have, you know, a great view or, or yeah. just the amenities that make sense for them and make their work life a bit easier, maybe experiential. Brookfield Place is a, you know, the reason we branded it that there's many Brookfield Places around the globe, but it's, it's meant to be a 24 seven vibe, eat, live, play, work, all of it. And so when you have that, I think people get excited to come to work. Vacancy in Manhattan right now is, you know, you'll see some articles that'll say 20%, but the top quality of real estate, it's sub five. Mm, and I don't think that's going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what does it mean for the older stock of office buildings in, in New York? It's refurbishment. Remains, yeah, it's, update, it, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, you don't need to lure people back to the office, but you, if you're young or even if you're old like me, you want to be working in a place that's, yeah. you know, a friendly, good quality environment. I love where I work. It makes all the difference. We do too. So do we. I don't have we free do beer too. at home. We do too. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I don't have like free beer at work. I got to figure that out. Well, we only drink after 4 p.m. when the market closes. <laughs> we're pretty strict with it. Pretty, pretty. Uh, not, not always. We're, we're nearing four, so I'll keep my oh, eye well, on the exactly. clock for you, we're going to, yeah. No, we're, ooh, I think we just hit it. We're, we're past right. four. <laughs> Send out for beers. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's go to one of your, your things that you're very passionate about is women in the industry and networking. And you're the co-founder of the Brookfield Women's network. Can you shed some light on this and why networking matters? Sure. Specifically women's networking Talk matters, about this obviously. all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had the benefit of uh, being asked to start uh, a women's network for Brookfield with one of my dear friends, Lauren Young, who uh, just had this incredible vision for so many things that we could do. And, and when I started at Brookfield, I was one of very few women. I was one of I don't want to say one of the first, but th there were only a handful of women that had even had gone through having a child at Brookfield when I started. So none of the things that exist today were there, you know, as I was kind of growing up in the space. But Lauren had this vision. She asked me to do it with her. I was very hesitant at the time because I wasn't sure what good it was going to do, what were we, what we were going to be able to achieve. And um, I said yes, and it was absolutely the best 
decision ever. Um, and so we started a chapter in New York. Today, we have over 500 constituents in the New York chapter. And we built it in a way, this was back in 2015, we built this network in a way that would serve the needs of our women. Um, you know, let's, let's be together, get to know each other as a network, but let's also figure out ways that we can even the playing field developmentally. What do, you know, we're not playing golf every uh, Friday in the spring, yeah, like yeah. some of Tell our male it. colleagues. Yeah. And so play golf. <laughs> I, can't, can't I don't play either, by the way, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. Getting but these dagger eyes over Ronan every Friday afternoon. <laughs> we, we play poker sometimes. Yes. All yeah. I'm crappy at it. Oh, so we're going to get into yeah. that. The women, uh -huh. okay. the women are getting into poker this year, so I'm uh -huh. very excited for that. But what are some ways we can just level the playing fields? Um, because inherently, it's easier for the men sometimes, especially in an industry that is male dominated. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of it was development focused. A lot of it was kind of curated to your own building your own personal brand. So we would. You know, we'd have speakers come in, we would have workshopping events, and we'd, we'd do a number of things just to kind of serve the, what the women wanted. But all together, external networking, internal networking, a way to kind of find others like you in the community. We've, we've built out a new moms group because navigating that when you come back to work after leave is always very challenging. And, you know, I probably was, would have been a network of, one long ago, but now that group is massive. We've got dozens and dozens of women that really just look to that as comfort and guidance as they're coming back. And just to have somebody going through something that you just went through yeah. is so powerful. Well, it's great that you have made those kind of a created those kind of mentorship opportunities because that's sometimes perhaps they don't really necessarily come about organically, right? Right. You need to like create some kind of opportunity yeah. for that to happen. We've had a number of um, senior uh, women executives in, in finance um, on the podcast, and I'm always interested to hear their perspectives on kind of like what it was like for you, given that you, as you said, when you joined, there weren't a lot of women around in your company in terms of mentorship opportunities that were available for you by women or men. And obviously you're, you're creating uh, more opportunities now. Right. You know, I, having lived through being often the only mm -hmm. in a room, in a setting, in a board meeting for so long, I had support and I had a mentor. Absolutely. That was a, a man, my, my prior boss, but there's a mentor is one thing. Sponsorship is another thing. And I think I, I was able to kind of navigate those waters early on and figure out, you know, how do I gain sponsorship and finding those people that would, you know, go to bat for me was mm -hmm. so important. And the experiences that I had really, I think resonated with me to be able to make that path easier for women in the mm -hmm. organization and in the industry. And so what can we do to shed light explaining to them, like, what is sponsorship versus mentorship? What does a mentorship mean to you? And what are ways that we can be women here, but work together, champion each other, but, you know, give back to the community and do things that, you know, are positive. We work with a number of different organizations in New York. One of them is WIN. It's Women in Need. It's the largest um, provider of housing and shelter to homeless women and their and their families. And it's absolutely incredible. Bowery Women's Mission, the Chick Mission. So we, we just, all of these ways are um, just kind of help you grow, not only in your, in your job, but get exposure to women that you're working alongside and others that you're working alongside 
in the industry so you can just kind of continue to grow and learn yeah like our our industry wall street and especially trading floors yeah. there, there, there were no women and now over time obviously there's more women we have a women in finance network that's run out of iex which we think is great because it's kind of funny uh women's month there was this spoof we saw about wall street a lot of times they give awards to men who support women so there was this spoof the other day about men who support men who support women. It was really, really <laughs> Occupy, funny. Occupy, Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, and they had a fake trophy of a man holding a man holding a woman in the air. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty great. But it's great to see like these uh, women in finance events. We've hosted some at our office. We've done sailing around. We, we should mix the women's networks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we are collaborating with other women's networks all the time. It's just great to kind of get to meet powerful women in the industry it's there's yeah. there's really nothing more powerful well you mentioned a little bit about the the, the chick mission is that the name of it right that you, you're yeah. involved with um which is uh, you, you tell us a little bit about that absolutely so um what an incredible organization this is founded by one of my dear friends from college who is a three-time cancer survivor and as she was going through one of her bouts of cancer and in, you know, she needed life-saving cancer treatment. Her oncologist shared with her that, you know, you might want to do something to preserve your fertility because once mm-hmm. you start going through this treatment, oh, you're yeah. putting it at risk. Oh, sure. And, you know, outside of New York, and I can't speak for every state, but oncologists aren't actually required to tell you that. So you're lucky mm-hmm. enough if they share that information with you. And then if you don't have that coverage via, you know, your own insurance or a benefit through work, um, you're on the hook for the cost of that and you have to do it pretty quickly and it's wow. very expensive. And so the Chick Mission is this organization that she founded because she was so angry at the system for making women have to choose having a family down the road or saving their own life in, in many instances. Or not even aware necessarily that there's a choice to be made and then right. not having the information to be able to intelligently yeah. make it. Yeah. And so she started this this organization and, and they work twofold. Um, first, they provide hope grants to young women that are in this horrible situation that they did not ask for so that they have the opportunity to, to preserve their fertility. And I go to the gala every year and they always announce how many babies have been born <laughs> from the hope grants. And it's yeah. just the most touching thing. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. You don't, you don't think about things like that. Amazing. Yeah, it's very different. It, it, yeah. yeah. And, do you and have, if people are interested, do you have a website? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the chick org. Amanda Rice is the founder. They're on Instagram. They're all over social. They're on LinkedIn. So they asked me to be on their board earlier this year. I've always been supportive supportive of their their endeavors and I'm just so proud to be a board member working to advance all of their work. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Also, you are a working mom and I have to yeah. tell you I have a I have a, a story to tell you this week because I've been blessed for my wife stayed home with the kids and uh, I I don't know what I would have done if she hadn't done it, but she's been traveling the last couple of weeks. <laughs> And I'm like juggling shit. I have the dogs in the kennel. I'm calling my son at 7 a.m. to remind him to wake up because I'm here. And I'm like, I don't know how people can do it. It's I don't know. It's I, you know, I, I was also raised by a single working mom. And I mean, I, I clearly, I turned out great. You're, so. you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Explains it all. Oh God. It's not easy. None of it's easy. I mean, I think that my kids think they see Brookfield Place 
on a taxi and they're like, my mom's famous. Like they think, <laughs> they, like think sports team. they think mommy owns, you know, Brookfield place. They yeah. think I own all these hotels and malls and yeah. stuff. And so, I mean, they know now that I don't, but they think it's pretty cool. So there's balance in all of it. Um, there's never a right balance. I'm, you know, at times a terrible mother <laughs> and, and a really great, uh, boss and, and leader. Um, and then that flops at other times. And so I think having a support system, a great partner that can work with you is really important, but not everybody has the luxury of that. But instilling in the kids what it means, you know, why does mommy work? What, what do I do? Um, teaching them, you know, talking to them like it, I've always kind of talked to my kids like adults, however you shall judge me, uh, curse, cursing <laughs> included. Yeah. Um, oh, well, but- <laughs> wait, we won't have any of that here. Yeah, yeah. Forget about that it. That never happened in my house. No, <laughs> no. I kind of joked that um, before the pandemic, I would curse in front of my children. And I always taught them, when you're 18, you can say those bad words too. <laughs> During the pandemic, I began cursing at them. And so that is where <laughs> we we came upon a crossroads. But no, they, uh, they think I travel a lot for my job and sometimes that's hard for them, but I think they also think it's really cool. They think mommy's a boss and she is. So <laughs> <laughs> back on the cursing, I remember when my daughter was about two, she lost her pacifier, right? Or my son did. And she was looking for it. And she came out of the room with her hands on her hips. She goes, I can't freaking find it. And I turned to my wife. Well, she got that from you because it would have been fucking if it was me. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's lovely. Well, con- congratulations on yes. all of that. Now, I, I don't know if we've prepped you for this question, mm-hmm. but this is the question of mm-hmm. questions. If you ever listen to one of our podcasts, and please, God, you got to the end. We ask everybody, what's their favorite Wall Street movie and why? Mine's so basic, you guys. Do you, mm-hmm. Is there judgment involved? No, here? absolutely well, it not. Depends. Absolutely right. not. We'll depends, see. but no, probably not. So, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, no, that's um, a great one. I love that. I just, there's, I'm from Long Island. Uh-huh. And my dad knew Jordan Belfort and not... Per, they weren't friends, but I just like, there's something about that one scene where he, he's racing home from the city. The whole in Quaalude that car. episode. Oh, that was and a, the, that was all awesome. the Quaaludes. Yeah. Bring yeah. me to a time where that was a vibe. I, what a, <laughs> well, yeah. what a yes. time. Yeah, well, Ronan, I don't know anything about that. (laughs) They used to be legal. Yeah, It's just his life was so fascinating. And the fact that he is, you know, he lived to tell the tale. What a, I mean, and it's Leo. I There's so many things that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good story, too. And there was was a lot of that. So I I think it's a good movie. It, Mm -hmm. It. We've had that pick before, so there's no judgment. (laughs) People are not, I mean, I guess it's not that wide of a range of movies to pick from. Maybe it is. No, it's not. Well, I try to expand the the universe to include books for more literary listeners, but I don't know how literary our listeners are. Right. When you were telling the story of interviewing and then coming back and getting up for the job, when I was a senior in college, I came into New York City and I went into a trading firm. And this guy came in, and I'm just, there was like 25 of us in the room, started screaming, you want to make $500,000? <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir. I spoke very high back then. You I'm, can I'm be- very much like to, right? And then they just like kicked us out and shoot us away. And I got home, and I got a call, and they're like, you've been hired. I'm like, I didn't fucking even say hello. And uh, it, it, it turns out, Suppez Securities, you can Google it. They all got arrested. Oh, oh man. So that's boiler. That's yeah, it was. It was just like yeah. yeah. very easily have been working wow. for a pump and dump uh, place. But so I might have made 500000 yeah. as a 21-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had yeah. some better mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, um, do we have a <laughs> oh, do we have a gift yeah, for our God, guests? We, we got to come up with better gifts. So uh, what we I we know. present yeah. everybody who joins our podcast with their very own pair of IEX socks. Dun, da, da, da. It's but my the, birthday, you guys. Oh, okay, Probably we can do better. We can do better. I'm wearing a pair. Yeah, of yeah. Look at these. Yeah. Are you in the black like and white? Or are you in the no, color? Like, oh. I'm in the black and white. Yeah, you can't see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're actually very comfortable. It's incredible. We, we, we will take you by our swag store, and you can choose yeah, more than that because it is Dana's birthday. Oh, wow. And she chose to spend it Absolutely. doing as much. A, a shopping so, spree yeah, at yeah, IEX. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're not in the industry, us. so you're allowed to take more. See, yeah. In what? the industry, they can only take certain amounts of swag, which is why we give people socks, believe it or not. What a dream, you guys. But our socks are good socks, and I spent too they much time are, talking and, about and them. Gunness, you deserve more than that, but it's all we can give you at this moment. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll steal a, a beer yeah. on the way out to uh, go that, with We do have socks. those, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you've been a great guest. We appreciate you, you coming been, in person. Yes, you are an impressive, um, professional, and a lovely person. Go, Mom. I'm so glad that you came on. You guys, thank you for having me. I'm not sure why you had me, but I'm happy to have been had. And we don't, yeah. We're not sure why you agreed to come on. Yeah, yeah. So glad you did. Wait till you hear this. You might not be so happy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do you ever know? That's his Goodbye. shit Irish exit. Goodbye, Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace. With support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to IEXExchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.